Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. This podcast is brought to you by Jarhead Diagnostics. Jarhead Diagnostics manufactures in-house diagnostic equipment and storage solutions, as well as distributes for companies like Pico, ATS, and Topdon. One of my favorite tools that I have bought from Brandon and Jarhead Diag is the case for the U-Scope. If you don't have a U-Scope, you probably should, but if you have one, you got to get one of these 3D printed cases, has a magnet on it, has a full-size BNC lead that you can connect to, and it gets rid of the weak point of that scope, which is the mini BNC connection, which is pretty fragile. This case makes this thing nice and secure and makes it an even better tool than it was. So check out jarheaddiag.com. The link is in the show notes. Hey, for listeners of the show, if you want a discount on Jarhead Diagnostic products, use discount code DIAGPODCAST. That's D-I-A-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, DIAGPODCAST, for 10% off purchases from jarheaddiag.com. I am happy to have automotive seminars as a sponsor for the show. Now, if you're not familiar, Automotive Seminars is a diagnostic technician training company. They've got a website that there'll be a link to in the show notes. And what they offer is top-notch training to technicians like us in the field. I've been taking their training courses for years and have got a ton of benefit out of it. They've got top-notch instructors, John Thornton, Scott Shotton, Scott Manna. And every other month, they've got a two-night course that you can sign up for. Join in, ask questions, and afterwards, you've paid for the course you can access a recorded version whenever you want. You can rewatch the class two years later in case you wanted some details on it. And that is a fantastic feature. So make sure to check out the website to see what courses they have available and what's coming up in the future. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for today's episode. Thank you for joining me. Got a quick case study for you here today. Uh, This one, I guess the end result, not that surprising. Um, I kind of had an idea going into it, what I might find, and you might too by listening to it. But the reason that I wanted to share it, um, again, I've mentioned this several times in the last few months, I'm trying to get vehicles on the podcast that have beat me up a little bit, that we've struggled with to get to a solution. And of course, I'd like to share the ones that we do get to a solution to, but also the ones that maybe challenge us a little bit along the way and why it challenged us. Um, Because you might run into the same thing and this could be helpful, but it's also, I think, valuable just to share, for everybody to share what their struggles are, right? Because there might be somebody out there listening who knows this extremely well and they're like, oh, well, you just needed to look at this or you just needed to think about that. 
as you were going into this problem and you wouldn't have struggled here. Or, yes, this is the way all of these things are. It's just the way it is. Okay. Well, now you know, right? Um, but to put our struggles out there uh, so that, you know, we can share in the knowledge that we have and also just an observation that, hey, the, these cars are not easier and they're not getting any easier. But this one I feel like should have been pretty easy. This is a 2009 Honda Civic. And this was a crank no start. Um, actually, I'll, I'll back up here a little bit. It came into the repair shop that I did the mobile call for as a no crank at all. Okay, so the engine didn't crank at all. Now, the customer, this is going back even further, the customer attempted to fix their no crank. That's what this originally was. The engine did not turn over by putting a new battery in it. And that did not fix it, but the shop, although I don't think they got a clear-cut answer, was suspicious that the customer had either connected the battery cables backwards or jumped the vehicle backwards at one point or another. And they said this from the discussion that they had with the customer. The customer didn't outright say that, but... When you've done this long enough, you can kind of pick up on things like that uh, when you have a discussion with the customer about, you know, what was done, what was tried, how did you do it, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, I think they may have jumped this backwards. Okay, so they ended up getting, you know, new battery and everything connected and they ran up against the no crank as well. And they followed their normal diagnostic procedure. Same thing I would do, right? Go to the starter relay. Okay, it's working. Go to the starter. Hey, we're getting power on the big cable and the S terminal. This thing should be cranking, right? The block has a ground. Okay, let's put a starter in it, which they did. And then it cranked. But it did not start. And they tried scanning for codes. They were not able to communicate with the PCM. And that was the time that they called me. This is a shop that's really competent, but they're also really busy. And when they get things like this, uh, they want to keep their technicians going on the parts hanging in, the gravy work, the stuff that's real money makers. And hey, I, I get it. Totally. That's why I'm there to, to fill in those spots uh, to make their lives easier. That's the service I offer. So that's why they call me. Uh, they just want to figure out, okay, hey, you know, we think this thing might have been jumped backwards. We can't talk to PCM. It's very possible. It is a PCM that's failed. Can you just come in and verify for us that that's what this is? So, you know, they're kind of setting me up uh, to to dial into what's wrong. But uh, I, me doing my job, I got to be careful of that, right? I don't want... We, as you wouldn't want the customer, the driver, the car diagnosing the problem for you off of a video they watched on YouTube, right? I don't want my customer leading me to something without me even doing any checks. So I try to ignore that stuff. Like, right, I want the information as much as possible and I try to question my customers as much as I can. But I do have to kind of look at these things fresh and say, I'm not going to just jump at the component that they think it is. I'm going to approach this like I normally would with my process because I know my process is going to get me to the solution. But I'll keep it in the back of my mind that that's what they said it may be helpful as I proceed. So I get to the vehicle and this thing does crank, turns over. Um, now, first things that I notice, and this is important and part of what threw me off, number one, the check engine light is on the dash. Okay. Now I can't say, I mean, I work on a lot of Hondas, but I can't say I'm 
familiar enough with every Honda make and model to say if the PCM powertrain control module is offline or if the ECM is offline, is that going to disable the check engine light? In a lot of vehicles, it is. And uh, if you were to ask me, is that that way on a Honda? I'm like, probably. But this is just initial looking at it. I haven't even hooked up my scan tool yet. The check engine light is on and it cranks. I do not have an immobilizer light. And I've, I do a lot of key work on these Hondas too. And there's a green key-shaped light, which is the immobilizer light that is normally on the dash. And this is when you go turn the key on, you should see this at least turn on and turn off. I think it is even on once you pull the key out. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but you should see this little green immobilizer light. That light's not on at all. All right, cool. So that's what I've got. Cranks, check engine lights on. Green immobilizer light is not on. All the other electronics in the vehicle appear to work, but I'm going to hook up my scan tool. I'm going to scan it and see what I got. Now, I can talk to a number of modules on the car, but two that I cannot talk to are the immobilizer and the PCM. Okay. Now, again, strangely, the check engine light's on, but I can't talk to the PCM. Oh, whatever. Let's, you know, go with our diagnosis and see what we can get. But because I can't talk to the immobilizer and I can't talk to the PCM, I have to make a decision of which module am I going to start with. And a lot of times I might go with what's easier to access. But before I even do that, right, and the PCM is under the hood by the battery, the immobilizer is on the column. You got to pull apart the shell on the column to get to the immobilizer unit. It's right where you would stick the key. Before I do that... I'm, I'm trying to be smart here, trying to be efficient, right? I want to look at the diagram and see, do these things share anything, right? Two modules I can't talk to don't seem to be working. Do they share any common electrical like fuse or ground or something like that? And I look at the diagram and I, I don't see any power feeds that they share. But what I do see is a ground on the back of the cylinder head that they do share. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this might be easy because they, they both share this ground and they both don't work. And it's right on the back of the cylinder head. I visually inspected it. It looked okay. All right, well, maybe I'll have to go to the module and actually check to see if there's a good ground there. Um, but visually, it looks like it's tight and on the back of the head. And there, there was actually some Identifix hits on this particular ground causing some issues, but visually it seems to be okay. All right, well, let's, let's go to a module and start testing. And I decided to go after the immobilizer module first. Um, now I realize I can't talk to both of them, but the PCM has three bolts and you have to actually, well, you're supposed to remove the battery. You can get it out, but it's, it's kind of a, little, a pain to get to the connectors. The connectors are buried. Not that I'm, you know, not going to, but again, I'm going to go with what I think is easiest first. And in this case, I'm going to go with the immobilizer. Um, this is just three screws on the bottom of the column, pull apart the shell, and I got my immobilizer right there. Okay. So pull it apart. I check. I've got power to this thing. I've got ground to this thing. And I believe there was power on two wires and ground on the other. And this is the ground from the cylinder head that I was suspicious of because it feeds both the immobilizer and the PCM. That was good. Lights up a headlight bulb. Okay, so it's got power and ground. I'm like, huh, I wonder, number one, why it doesn't communicate, but number two, why is the light not on if it's got power and ground? You would think even if it didn't communicate that the light should be on, but 
Then again, I don't know the circuitry for the light right off the top of my head. Of course, I got a diagram in front of me and I can look at it. But is the LED for the indicator lamp directly tied to the immobilizer? Is it over a data line? I don't know. But here's my other question. Is this module turning on, right? It's got power and ground, so it should be. Uh, Here's what I did to see, is the module doing anything? Um, The module... The immobilizer module is also the halo that goes around the lock cylinder for the ignition. So it's got a coil of wire, and when you turn the key to the on position, that triggers that coil to send out electromagnetic waves, which is actually going to excite the transponder in the key, and that key is going to send data back to the immobilizer module, right? Um, if you have a key tool max, and there's other tools that'll do this, but I love the key tool max. It's a great little thing for programming keys, but also for diagnostics because you can read keys and see does the chip read. And then you can also read to see, is this halo? Is this immobilizer module? Whatever it is. Sometimes it's just an antenna ring. Is it outputting a signal? Is it doing something when you cycle the key? And what's cool about the key tool max and actually the Autel cam 100 will do this too it'll tell you what transponder chip responds. Well, if a key responds, and then if it does, what is the transponder chip type in that key? Which is pretty cool, right? It, especially if you're like, is this the right key for this vehicle? And you might say, well, how's, how would it be the wrong key for the vehicle if it turned the ignition? Uh, that sort of stuff happens all the time. So it is useful to know, is it the correct type of chip for the vehicle? But really all I'm looking for here is... Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily worried about the key in this case. I just want to know, is the module turning on? Is it doing something? So I cycle the key and I'm able to read activity from the coil and it even shows me the chip type. I think it was a 46, but okay, cool. So it, it is turning on. Again, can't talk to it. Immobilizer light's not on the dash. What's going on? So let's look at communication here. Now, the confusing part about this is, is there are three different data lines going into this immobilizer module. There's a BCAN, a K line, and what they call an SNET. This is all communications between various modules on the vehicle. Now, the BCAN, which I think is body CAN, and the K line, which actually goes to the uh, pin 7 of the DLC, communicates with the scan tool, and then uh, some other modules as well. Those have activity on them. And when I say activity, like they're not grounded out, they're not shorted to voltage, they're not corrupted. I just see activity on those wires. Okay. The SNET, I don't. And in the moment, I don't know what SNET necessarily means. I see that it's going to the underhood fuse box. I see that it's going to the under dash fuse box and to the ECM, and that's it. That's the entire. SNET network on this 09 Civic, but I'm not entirely sure what it is, but I'm thinking, okay, well, this is probably immobilizer data of some sort being transferred to the ECM, but there's no activity on this wire. I, I should say there's, there's a bias voltage, but there's no data transmission on this wire. There's nothing happening. It's just blank. And I cycle the key and nothing really happens on here. Okay. So I'm kind of at a dead end with this module here. I don't know what this SNET is. I don't know if it's required for this thing to power up. It seems to be taking key data. It seems to be turning on. But I don't really have a great answer here as to what's going on. And again, I still can't communicate with my PCM. 
Now, the network that the scan tool uses to communicate to the mobilizer and to the PCM, I think the PCM, it's going to communicate over the CAN bus and the immobilizer over the K line. Those data line, those networks are functional because I can talk to a bunch of other modules on those same networks. Okay, so where do I go now? I'm going to switch gears and go to my PCM. I don't have a for sure answer on this immobilizer. I'm kind of kind of up against the dead end here. I, was th- I thought I was going to find something, but let's transition to the PCM and maybe I'll find something there. And I've said this a lot when it comes to electrical. If you have multiple electrical problems that at least you assume have all occurred at the same time, pick one thing and go for it. And a lot of the times it will, you'll, it will lead you to the solution that fixes everything. And I can't tell you how many times I've used that. And it's been super helpful to kind of cut out the noise of things, right? Especially if there's, you know, something like a body control module and there's just a ton of stuff that doesn't work or doesn't work right. And you're almost overwhelmed by the different paths that you could go in trying and before you've gotten the solution, trying to comprehend exactly, well, what single electrical fault could cause all of these problems? Just pick one thing, one circuit, and figure out why that one circuit's not working. And if you can get to that solution, you're probably going to find the rest. It's worked for me a lot just to cut out the noise and focus me in on one problem. And it gets me the solution for all of them. But anyways, um, now I'm going to switch gears and go for the PCM. I'm just going to see... Why can't I talk to the PCM? And maybe that will get me back and answer my question about the immobilizer. So um, I take the time, get the PCM in a position where I can get to the connectors on it. And this is another point where it got a little confusing for me. Now, again, I work on plenty of Hondas and I diagnosed some PCMs on Hondas before. And it may have been this case and I just didn't recall, but... I'm looking at the power and ground distribution for the PCM. And I found a couple powers and a number of grounds. I think there's four or five grounds. But the power feeds into the PCM from what I could find on every diagram, including the factory one, but the redrons as well. There's no constant power feed to this PCM. All that I have on this PCM for power feeds, again, that I could find, and I'm using the factory diagram. Check this for yourself, 09 Civic, I think it was an EX. There's a switched power feed that comes into it through the from the ignition switch through a fuse. There's a switch power feed, and then the, other, the only other power feed to this PCM is through the PGM FI main relay one, but that relay is actually grounded by the PCM. Okay, so what I'm getting at here is this doesn't have a constant power feed, and this threw me off. And again, if you're a Honda tech, you're probably like, well, yeah, that's just how they are. That's how they've always been. But I was scratching my head. I'm like, shouldn't this thing have a constant power feed? And I'm still a little confused by it because from everything I found, it does not. I'm like, well, how does it retain learned memory. I mean, I've, I realized there's non-volatile memory and that must be what it's using, right? Because 
if for no other reason there's learned things like field trims and shift points for the transmission and OBD2 monitors, right? It, how how does it save the OBD2 monitor data? I don't think it's done in another module. It's from what I, I understand, that's got to be within the PCM. But if you turn off the ignition to this, based on what I see in the diagram, all power is cut off to this module. There's no memory circuit. There's no constant power. And so that threw me off for a while. And I really searched through all the diagrams that I could find for this vehicle. Cause I'm like, it's gotta have one. There's gotta be a constant power feed, right? It just doesn't make sense for it to not have one, but it doesn't. Okay. Now I do have power on the one that comes from the ignition switch. I don't have power on the PGM FI relay uh, output. But if my PCM is dead or not functioning for some reason, I could understand why that might be. Now, the question I also didn't know was like, well, if that PGM relay is not working or it's out or whatever and not saying power, will the module not turn on and not talk, right? Is it one of those situations where maybe it self-excites itself and before it does that, it's not going to talk? Most... ECM PCMs that have that, um, you know, PCM power relay that self excites itself, right? It grounds the relay that provides power back to it. Most will still communicate even if that doesn't work, but there are examples where that's not true. Uh, Toyota is one of them. I mentioned that before. That's got to be there if you want that PCM to communicate. So the easy thing to do here for me right now, just to see, is this my problem, uh, is I'm going to jump power to that circuit. I'm going to be the PGM relay and I'm going to send power on there and just see, does anything change? Does my PCM wake up? Does it start talking? Can I start this thing? I do it. Nothing happens. All right. And I check the ground side, the control side for that relay. It's not grounded regardless of what I do. So it's not even trying to turn this relay on. Okay. So from what I can tell, I got all my powers and grounds necessary for this PCM to turn on and to talk. Now, I'm also thinking in my head, okay, they said something about being jumped backwards. All right, that's totally possible. But what else could be causing this scenario? And I'm also thinking, why isn't the immobilizer module working as far as what I can see? The one other thing I wanted to check here, because I wasn't really coming up with anything else, was the 5-volt reference circuit off of the PCM. And if there's you know, somewhere on that 5-volt reference circuit where it's shorted out, it could potentially be causing the PCM to not turn on, to not function, to not communicate. So I want to check that, right? I'm, I'm getting closer, at least calling a PCM here, but I need to check that 5-volt reference. So this was interesting, and I have run into this before. The way I check a 5-volt reference to see if it's shorted to ground is I will take my test light and I will power up my test light, right? So the clip end of your test light, I'm going to put it on B plus, And then I'm going to touch that 5-volt reference. If it's shorter to ground, it's going to brightly light my test light. And then I just need to find the short to ground, right? Now, sometimes with a PCM that is dead, just completely out to launch, and not because of the 5-volt reference, but for another reason, you can sometimes see your test light light up on a 5-volt reference, that's connected to a PCM that is not functional at all. So be careful to use this method. And I've let that kind of distract me before um, with dead PCMs causing that light to light up in that case. Now, how could you 
verify that's what it is, you could unplug the PCM. And then if your test light goes out, you know that the five volt circuit is not shorted. But <laughs> there's there's always a but. There's always variables. Be careful of that too, because the five volt reference do, can and does go in and out of the PCM on multiple circuits, right? Multiple, multiple wires. So depending on where you're measuring it, and let me give you, it's a real life situation that I screwed up. It was a Toyota Corolla that I was doing this on. And I'm like, oh, okay. The five volt reference when powered up lights up my test light. Is it out on the circuit or is it the PCM? Let me just unplug the PCM. Oh, my light goes out. Okay. Well, it must be the PCM that's at fault. No, it was another leg of that five volt reference circuit that went to a fuel tank pressure sensor. And when I unplugged the PCM, I separated that from the five volt reference under the hood that I was measuring with my test light. Okay. So again, a lot of variables there, but just be aware, uh, number one, a dead PCM cause your light to light up on your test light. If you're doing the test that I'm doing, but then also that five volt reference goes into the PCM in multiple places. Okay. So I took a different approach to this one when I was because it because my my test light did light up on the five volt reference here i wouldn't say it was brightly but it lit up and i want to determine is it an actual short to ground on the five volt or is it in the pcm or is it just i shouldn't even say is it in the pcm but with a pcm that just doesn't turn on at all doesn't do anything it can light up the test light on that five volt reference and i don't know if you'd call it normal but it is what it is when that thing's not functioning and I've seen that on a Ford before, same thing. So <clears throat> here's what I did on this particular one. This isn't going to work on every vehicle, but it worked on this thing. There's a comb on the back of the cylinder head that has connections for all of the different five volt legs for this vehicle or for the engine, I should say, off of the PCM. And then, again, there's multiple feeds, multiple five volt references, but they all come to this comb are all the ones that I'm concerned about as far as being shorted to ground, right? You don't have to worry about a thermistor being shorted to ground. That's how they're designed to work. But things like the map sensor and the output speed sensor and this and that, right? And what I can do here is I can pull these combs and I separate all of those legs from the PCM, right? And then I think I had three wires going into this comb that were five volt references from the PCM, and I checked those and all those going straight to the PCM lit up my test light and none of the other ones did. So what that means to me is there's not a leg of the circuit. There's not a sensor. There's not something else that's grounding out this five volt reference. I think this PCM's just dead to the world. And that's what I'm dealing with here. Okay. And so now I'm left with, hey, I'm pretty sure this PCM is out to lunch, not doing anything, not turning on, not communicating. Why is the check engine light on though? I was thinking that. Well, I, I did a little bit of digging here and come to find out the check engine light itself isn't directly controlled by the PCM in this case. A lot of times it is. I'd say most cases it is, but not in this case. This check engine light or the malfunction indicator lamp is controlled by the instrument cluster in this, and it must be getting data over the communications network. And in the case where the PCM is not online, it's just going to turn the check engine light on. This is something I learned when I was working on this vehicle. Now, the mobilizer light is also controlled directly by the cluster. Now, why that's not on, I'm not sure at this point, but here's what I know. This PCM is definitely out. 
I'm not sure on the immobilizer. I can't communicate with it with my scan tool, but I was wondering two things here. Number one, is the communication thing a scan tool thing? And so I grabbed the second scan tool. It was the same thing. I'm like, yeah, probably not two different scan tools, but who knows? But also, is this something where the PCM needs to be online, right? I've got that SNET, which I ended up finding out is security network. That's the Honda lingo from what I could find. And that is between the ECM and the immobilizer. And I mentioned there was no no activity on there. Does the ECM have to be online? Is it the master of that data network potentially? It's possible. I don't know that. I couldn't find anything that really outlined that, but I'm kind of thinking that might be the case. So I told the shop, I was like, hey, there's a couple of weird things here, but I know for sure this PCM is out. Will you order one? We'll get it programmed for you and then we'll verify everything else. And in some cases, that's the best step is just to say, hey, right, there's, there's a couple question marks, but I know for sure this part's bad. Let's get this part and then move forward and then we'll see where we're at. So a couple of days later, they have us come back. Actually, my employee ran out there and I told them the scenario. I'm like, hey, let me know what you find. Um, they pop a brand new PCM into this thing, which if you get new Honda PCMs, at least for this era, but I can say all the way up to like 17, they don't have to be programmed. Like you don't have to put a flash in there. All you have to do is write the VIN and match the immobilizer. And you can do that with aftermarket scan tools. And we did. So, I mean, I guess check for updates, but it's a brand new module and I haven't found that that's the case. Uh, Hondas just don't need updates very often unless it's a Odyssey with a torque converter clutch. But anyways, it's easy enough to do with an aftermarket scan tool, match the immobilizer, write the VIN. And we were able to do that. And I asked my employee, I'm like, did immobilizer light on? Oh, it turned on, but then it turned off once it started and it did start. I'm like, Oh, okay. So then we're all good. And I think my assumption was right that the ECM needs to be online to get the immobilizer to communicate. Now, why I didn't talk to my scan tool, I'm still suspicious that maybe I had a scan tool issue with it. But again, maybe it's something where the ECM has to be online and functional in order for that immobilizer to kick in and do anything. If you're a Honda guy and that doesn't make any sense, please let me know. (laughs) I'd be curious to know what I was missing or how I perceived that incorrectly if I did. Uh, If that is the way that it works, I would also be curious to know what's your experience with those. But again, it was just a PCM that was out and it makes sense. They probably did jump it backwards would be my guess because there was a starter that was failed. They said it was a no crank and I think that's what the customer was initially trying to repair, but then they built in another problem. But check engine light on when the PCM is a no com, no function, and immobilizer light not on when we didn't have to replace anything with the immobilizer system. Once we got the PCM in there, everything functioned correctly. So curious, and that's the reason I wanted to bring it up, is those little things, like you, we diagnose a lot of modules, right? We go through a lot of different things. And I, you know, we have a routine when we have stuff that's wrong. Okay, right, we have a module that's on. Let's check powers, let's check grounds, let's check communication. Oh, and you know, I probably forgot to mention, I did check the cam lines to the PCM and those were those were functional as well. I, I think I skipped over that when I was going through my checks here. But you know, you check all that stuff and okay, well, what happens when, like I said, there wasn't a constant power to this thing. Uh, th- that kind of threw me off 
the light thing kind of threw me off. The mobilizer threw me off and it took me way longer to shut off. Right. Um, but that's the sort of stuff that happens out there. So again, why I wanted to share it. I thought that was interesting enough to bring up on the podcast, but let me know if you got any thoughts on it. That's all I got for you. Uh, thank you for listening. Really appreciate it and appreciate all the feedback. So keep it coming. But with that out of the way, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.